Hi folks and welcome. My name is Damon and I have worked in the theater industry almost 45 years. And the reason I decided to do these podcasts is I was speaking to a really cool college kid a couple of weeks ago. And he had asked his professor, you know, can you really make a career in the theater industry? And when I say theater industry, folks, I'm talking about the technical side, which means the lights, ropes, rigging, uh, scenery, all of that stuff. Not the acting, which is very important. And I'm not talking about the movie theater where you might go see Shrek 5 or 10 or whatever is showing right now. But I'm talking about the technical side or what we call the backstage. But the professor told the kid, hey, I've got a friend. His name's Damon. You should talk to him because he's been doing this for a very long time. And he's wore a lot of different hats in the industry. So me and the kid talked for about an hour, uh, a little bit more probably. And at the end of it, he said, you know, you should go to colleges and talk to students about, you know, all the different paths or the different things that you can do in the theater. Because most of us think of just lighting or we're going to be, you know, costume designers or, you know, all the different cool things there are. But he said he had never thought about being in the sales side of it. And the sales side of the theater industry is one place that you can actually make obscene money if that's important to you. But then at the as we were talking, you know, I, I told him, no, I don't really go and do any public speaking. I'm too busy. And uh, he said, you know, you should write a book. And I'm like, books are hard to write. And I said, but I would love to figure out some way to do this. And he says, what about a podcast? And I'm like, I never thought of that. Well, I thought about it and here I am. So first of all, everybody, I want to lay some ground rules. This is kind of an overview podcast of what all the future podcasts will have. And another thing, folks, I'm a little bit wonky. So I'm talking right now to you as if I'm in a small lecture room at a podium, and I'm going to share some thoughts with you. So I may not, uh, I might digress a couple of times here. I might get off topic a few times. But I just want you to understand my goal here is that if you're a high school student or a college student and you're trying to figure out if you want the theater industry to be your future and a career, just to give you some thoughts and options on how to do it. Okay? So the future podcast folks are going to cover basically 1979, 80, and 81 as the three years I was in high school and what I learned in that high school theater. Now, I was really lucky. My high school uh, theater teacher really should have been a professor at like Yale or Harvard. This guy knew everything about theater and was an incredible teacher, an incredible mentor. And I still owe my entire career to this guy. So I'm going to talk about that in a future podcast. I'm going to talk about the years that I did rigging installs and rigging inspections. I'm going to talk about the years I actually worked in a theater, uh, which is a 350-seat semi-thrust stage in the basement of the largest children's museum in the world. We did over 500 shows a year uh, in that theater. And I've had people say, well, how do you do 500 shows in one year? And I'm like, well, basically Tuesday through Saturday, we would have a 10.30 in the morning, a 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and a 3 in the afternoon, 30-minute kids show. And in the summers, we even did that on Mondays. Most, most theaters are closed on Mondays, and they call it dark. The theater's dark on Mondays. It means no lights are on. But because we are part of the largest children's museum in the world, and we were open seven days a week during the 
uh, summer when kids are off school, that theater was open seven days a week. Many times I'd show up at 8.30 in the morning to have the theater open and ready to go by 10.30 for all the actors and, and make sure everything was working. And I might have a rental that night that started at 7.30 for a musical group, uh, symphony type or ensemble type. I shouldn't say symphony because they were never more than like 10 or 12 pieces. Our stage was only 32 feet across. Um, but we did rentals in that theater. So I still think to this day, the reason I don't mind working 50 to 60 hours a week is because when you're in a theater, the time outside that theater doesn't exist. It, it just, it's irrelevant. Only the time in that theater is what matters. And I had a girlfriend one time say to me, how can you work 50 and 60 hours a week and not lose your mind? And I'm like, because I love what I do. And I didn't even realize that's really working that much. So I'm going to cover the years that I worked in that theater. And I'm going to talk about the children's shows we did. I'm going to talk about the rentals we did. I'll talk about when Sesame Street came through. All the cool kick-ass things. I mean, it was a bodacious job, folks. It was just incredibly cool. Then I'm going to talk about um, a really cool guy who would call on me at that theater and sell me my lamps and gels and stage paint and muslin, everything I needed. And... He then one day say, you know, Damon, you need to get out of here and come work for me and get into sales and go see all these theaters and go call on all these theaters. And the more he described it to me, the more excited I got to think that I was going to get to drive around in a van in Indiana, Ohio and Kentucky and call on every high school there is to see if they wanted to buy lamps and gels. That sounded like a pretty kick ass gig to me because I thought, man, just think of the theaters I'm going to see and the people I'm going to meet. And then all the universities. And then the uh, repertory theaters and the community theaters. And when you start to really think of all of that, you lose your mind. And then on top of that, all the churches that are built like theaters. So I'm going to talk about all my years that I worked for a dealer and what I learned there. I'm going to talk about the years I worked for a factory rep and what I learned there. I'm going to talk about when I went to work for an engineering firm for two and a half years as an integrator where I laid out and designed rigging and lighting jobs uh, for three different architectural firms we work with. I'll talk about the year and a couple of months I worked with an actual theater consultant firm. And what I'm not going to talk about is the last 12 years because people get really offended easy nowadays, folks. And I'd be afraid if I started talking about anything, anything relative to the last 12 years of my life, someone was going to get offended. And I don't want to get fired, basically. So I'll probably do these podcasts all the way up to about 2012 or 2013. But what I, want, what I want any young person listening to right now is to understand that many times everybody wants to talk about the career that's actually in the theater. You know, you're a lighting designer or a lighting board operator or you're a sound engineer or you're a seamstress, or a costume designer, or you're a, somebody who builds a set. Now, don't get me wrong, those are all very well important. But I also want to share with you the theater industry outside being in the theater, and that's the sales side of it and the design side of it. I'm going to tell you about some really kick-ass architects I work with. I'm not going to mention them by name um, because I'm going to talk about some that were disasters to work for, people who should have never designed a theater. I'm going to talk about theater consultants, 90% of them are fabulous, awesome, extremely creative, do their jobs very well. 
but there's a few that probably should be in a different line of work. So I'm going to be really honest, folks. Now, I'm not going to mention names because I'm not here to burn any bridges or to throw ever, ever to throw anybody under the bus. I just want to articulate to somebody who's thinking about working in the theater industry as a career why it might be a really, really good idea. But you're also going to have to reflect of what kind of person you are. Are you driven? Are you wanting to be a part of something bigger than you? Because when you work in the theater, the one person very rarely matters that much. It's always the team. It's always the ensemble. It's always putting the show on. Now, I'm going to kind of completely retracted what I said, though, and then talk about how important you really are as an individual. Okay. And this is where I'm going to get wonky sometimes, folks. So when you really think about a production that has 100 people involved, they've all got to do their jobs and do a great job. But I'll tell you what's a disaster is when you have only one person that understands a light board and they only know the cues and they get pneumonia or they get the flu two days before the grand opening of a show then you're screwed, okay? So I guess what I'm trying to say, folks, is that if you've got a big, massive ego when you want it to be all about you, theater industry probably won't work for you. Uh, maybe you want to go be an actor, and I'm joking, because, you know, us technicians always made fun of acting a little bit, and they made fun of us technicians. You know, we always say, hey, the curtain wouldn't rise without, you know, a, a, the per per person operating the main grand act curtain. And the actor says, yeah, but if I'm not on stage acting, you don't have a show to put on. And, and both sides are valid, folks. Okay? But if you're a young kid, and I hate to use the word kid. Uh, kid to me is somebody like 10 years old or younger. But if you're a young person, you are in high school or even middle school, and you're interested in working in theater, I would really, I, I would really challenge you to, to really see if it's the right fit for you. And if it is then never give up. I never gave up. And here I am almost 45 years in. I've had some years where I had to work as a cook at Pizza Hut and work for a car wash to be able to make ends meet while I worked in a theater part-time. Uh, I've had some years where I've made some obscene money, at least to a person like me, where I was able to save up a lot of my daughter's college fund. And as a salesperson who will work 60 hours a week in the theater industry, 100% uh, commission rep, you can make obscene money, folks. You really can. Um, and then people might hate you for it because the name salesperson, you know, always cracks me up, folks, with all the years I've worked in theater, how many architects sometimes look down on you as a salesperson. And sometimes even a theater consultant looks down on you as a salesperson. But I'll tell you a secret. All those firms have somebody selling their brand to somebody. Okay? Somebody is always selling. If a theater consultant has a boss or an architect has a boss and they want to do something really cool in that building, they have to sell to somebody else that idea. So I am going to really hammer down a lot on why sometimes salespeople get such a bad rap. And it is... It's because of insecurities and jealousy and people not wanting somebody else to be in control. 
So I'm going to wind this down, folks. I didn't want this first podcast to be really super long. I want it to be an overview of everything I'm going to cover that I did in my life. Now, there are a couple of little tangents in my life where I was a grip for a while. Uh, When I worked for one of the theatrical dealers, we had what I called a lighting truck. And in it, I had a couple of HMI lights, some reflectors, uh, some C-stands and stuff like that. And I started advertising that we had that lighting truck and it was amazing uh you know being in indianapolis how many uh dps or director of photographies or directors whoever would come into our fine city and would want to do a commercial or do like a uh i was a part of a couple of pbs specials uh documentaries and stuff like that so i think when you learn lighting in the theater and you really understand it there's a lot of stuff that the film and television industry uh, can relate to to you what can relate to what you know about lighting okay because there's a joke and this is a joke folks and hopefully you don't get too offended but I always used to say the way that I found all the success in my life was that I hoard myself out and what I meant by that was no job was too big or little if I made money to go out and do in the theater industry. I mean, I did some really weird things where I just showed up with a light and lit a side of a building while, you know, somebody took like their company picture and they didn't need me in that light. Somebody there thought that, you know, maybe they saw a James Cameron special or something and saw all the lights and thought they needed it. All they needed, you know, was somebody who knew how to use a camera. But, hey, they paid me $1,000 that day to show up with my lights and set it up. Now, I didn't make that $1,000, you know. I probably made $150 because everything else had to pay for the equipment. And I'm going to dive into that, too, when I talk about rentals. You know, folks, when you work for a dealer... Uh, If you want to really make some money on the side for the dealership, I mean, I'm talking about good margin money, money that keeps the doors open, you start a rental department. Because what's really fascinating is every Easter and Christmas, if you have lights and dimming and some light stands, they'll all get rented out to the churches to do the uh, holiday type uh, events. If you have a rental house and you have smoke machines, you'll rent those smoke machines out all the time during Halloween. So I'm going to really dive into what it was like to be a dealer and all the things I learned and some of the great people I worked with that just helped me. You know, everything about myself in this industry is learning. And the more I learned, the more opportunity it put me, uh, the more opportunities came along for me to make more money. Because there's got to be a balance in life, people. You know, I hear people say, oh, money isn't anything, it doesn't matter. Well, most people who says money doesn't matter are people that don't have kids and they don't want to put them to college or they don't have a house and a mortgage or they don't have a car that needs to be repaired once in a while. So there's a life balance, folks. It's finding what makes your soul happy. And for me, that's the theater industry. And then how to pay for all the wonderful toys you want. And for me, that's been the theater industry. So, as you know, I go on and on, folks, because I've got a whole list of notes here that I wanted to cover in this, but I don't want to make this thing an hour long. So, look, I hope you come back and listen to my future podcast as I start to break down all the crazy and awesome things I did in this industry.
Now, my last note here is I want to put a teaser out there. After I, I technically didn't graduate high school. I dropped out and then I went back and got the credits later on because of my dyslexia. But for many, many years, I think 12 years, I worked for that high school. And it was one of the most fulfilling things I ever did. I always went back and worked with the kids and helped teach the kids lighting and rigging because I was such good friends with the theater uh, teacher and director there. But one year we did uh, The Wizard of Oz. And the director said to me, Damon, I want the Yellow Brick Road to go right over our orchestra pit. And I was like, okay, that's like an 18-foot deep orchestra pit. And I don't mean deep as in vertical up and down. I'm talking about stage, um, downstage to upstage. It's about an 18-foot span. And our uh, proscenium opening was 52 feet wide. It was, a, it was a beautiful theater. And I thought, okay, well, you know, build the uh, yellow brick road out of, you know, pre-engineered trussing and all of that. This was back in the, I think this was in the late 80s or 90s. I need to go back and look at the pictures. It might have been early 90s. And then I said, but what if a kid falls off the yellow brick road? They're going to die. They're going to fall, you know, 12 feet into the orchestra pit because we didn't have a pit net. Pit nets didn't exist back then. And if you don't know what the orchestra pit is and you're listening to this, then you, you need to go on Google and type in orchestra pit. It's where the orchestra sits during a musical and plays their instruments, folks. So basically, we had to figure out a way to build a net. And one day when I do the podcast on that entire production and talk about all the cool things we did, I'll tell you how we came up and jury-rigged a net and how the principal wanted it tested and how I jumped off the yellow brick road into the net, and everybody had a stroke because they didn't realize I was going to do it, and the net held my weight. And the superintendent, I'm sorry, the principal, said, good enough for me, and walked out, and my friend, the theater director, was looking at me with his eyes wide open, like, I can't believe you just did that. But we had to prove it was going to work. I knew it was going to work because me and a really cool group of kids built it. So, you know, a lot of confidence in what I built there. So, look, folks, thanks for listening this far. I hopefully in the next uh, two to three weeks, we'll have the next podcast out. And it's going to cover 1979, 80 and 81, the three years I was in high school and what I learned and saw and did. And then from there, we will go someplace later into the 1980s. Have a great day, everybody. Please go see a show. Support the arts. And if you're a young kid that are really trying to figure out if you want the theater industry to be your future, um, I, I don't know what to say except you've got to investigate if it's a right fit for you and you're the right fit for it. And if you are, full speed ahead and don't give up. Rock on, everybody. Have a fabulous day and be safe and be good to each other. See you next time. Bye-bye.